you're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. Hello, everyone. My name is Ariana Gonzalez. I'm the Client Services Manager here at Chug Attorneys and CPAs. Please join me in welcoming attorney Ishan Anand from our Herndon, Virginia office. Hello, Ishan. Welcome. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Thank you so much for being here. So today we're going to talk about self-sponsorship options to migrate to the United States. Did you know that you don't need an employer to migrate to the United States? Ishan, let's dive right in and talk a little bit about why we don't always need an employer to migrate to the United States. Now, uh, there's a notion that people think you always need an employer or a family member to migrate to the U.S., but not always. There are some ways where you don't need a sponsor. You can sponsor yourself. What is needed is extraordinary capability, skill set, or um, uh, some investment. So there are ways you can invest in the U.S. and get a green card, or there are ways if you think you have extraordinary competence, ability, then you can sponsor yourself. Great. Thank you for that insight. So what kind of documentation would I need to provide for my self-sponsorship application? Depends on the type of application. Suppose let's talk about EB1, extraordinary ability, then you have to prove that you have received or you are a recipient of a, a one-time award, like like an Oscar, Pulitzer, National uh, Award or uh, Academy Award. If you have that, then that means you are one of the top few people in your field of expertise. You can provide that and yes, and you can prove that you will come to the U.S. to pursue your proposed endeavor, which is to continue to do whatever you do. Or if you don't have that, then there are different ways then you have to basically prove that there are basically 10 criteria. So you have to fulfill three out of those 10. It can be that you judge other people's work. You command high salary. There are people or experts who talk about you in their publication, journals, or national television, press releases, or uh, maybe you have um, published books on your expertise, on your knowledge about the profession. It can be art, science, business, athletics. So if you are amongst, a, I would say, personally say, if you are amongst the top 3 to 5% in your area, then you are qualified to apply for EB1. All right, so in EB1 also, there is EB1A and then EB1B which is for professors and researchers. While in EB1A, you do not need a job offer or a sponsor. In EB1B, you need a job offer. You don't need, they don't have to sponsor you for that, but they just have to say that we will hire this person, kind of a job offer you need. You don't need sponsorship for that. Then 
there is another option that's uh, EB2. And EB2 implement based second preference category, not all of them. National interest waiver, which is my favorite. And it's hot topic these days because everybody wants to file national interest waiver. And I think this is the best time to go for national interest waiver. We see a lot of approvals these days in national interest waiver category. So in the national interest waiver category, what you have to prove is as we know that it's a EB2 category, so we have to prove that you have a advanced degree. Advanced degree can be a master's, PhD, or if you do not have master's, then you have to prove that you have at least a bachelor's degree or if or it's foreign equivalent, plus five years of uh, progressive experience. So once you qualify as a person who has an advanced degree, then you have to prove Basically, tell USCIS what's your proposed endeavor, what you want to do in the U.S., how your contribution is uh, has substantial merit and national importance. What is that that you do will benefit the economy, and uh, the finally then then finally you have to prove that it is in the nation's interest that the job offer and the job sponsorship and the perm, perm process should be waived. Now, if you prove all these, then you are eligible for the National Interest Waiver. There are other ways too, but yeah. Thank you for, for diving into the, that a little bit. We're going to go into each of the different self-sponsorship visas just in a little bit. Um, I do want to throw out a quick disclaimer out there. This conversation is for informational purposes only. It does not create an attorney-client relationship. So let's get back to the discussion. Thank you again, Ishan, for your time and for being here. So how long would you say in your experience does the self-sponsorship process usually take? It depends. It varies. So a regular processing time varies. But then now we are fortunate to have a premium processing, which is, which is now eligible for national interest waiver. They say they will adjudicate petitions at 45 days. If you pay additional fee, but uh, if you talk about normal processing time, it may vary from um, say four months to fifteen months. But anyway, four months is, is again it's a lot of progress. We haven't seen this progress before. These days, you see approvals in four months, three months, and five months in regular processing also. Great. Thank you for some insight into the timeline that that usually takes in your experience. So would you say um, there are any restrictions on who can self-sponsor to migrate to the United States? Is there anything we have to be concerned about there? What you have to be concerned about is that do not try this yourself. Meaning you can sponsor yourself, but do not prepare and try to submit petition yourself because recently like not not for long long ago, just two in last two months, I have received three. Basically, people came to me. They filed their own petitions, filed their national trust waiver application, and then uh, after receiving an RFE from USCIS, then they came to me like, you know, can you uh, do something about it? Now the thing is that uh, if you file, then your filing is the most important piece of information that you send to USCIS. You cannot change the substance of the application after filing. So be very careful what you are filing. 
Because later on, when USCIS asks for further information, that is just to substantiate what you have filed. You cannot change the substance. So what happened in this case, this person in EB1 was an entrepreneur and had once-in-a-lifetime achievement award for his philanthropic, whatever he has done in his life. Had uh, he filed national interest waiver, he could be qualified as EB1, but he filed national interest waiver as an engineer. And he has done some work in science, but I would see him as an entrepreneur or philanthropist, right? Something like that. So he filed and then he came to me like, you know, can we do something about it? And I was like, I cannot change it. We will file a new petition, but this I think is done. We cannot do anything about it. It's, it's very difficult to save a petition or save a dying petition later on. So I would recommend if you feel that you are eligible for any of these self-sponsored or not even self-sponsored, anything in immigration, if you feel that you are eligible, do not try this yourself. Great. Thank you for talking about the importance of making sure that all of the information is correct and even speaking with your attorney to make sure that there are no mistakes because it cannot change the information once it's submitted. So thank you for sharing your insight on that. Do I have to be in the United States if I want to self-sponsor myself or can I be outside of the U.S.? There is no guidelines on that. You can be in the U.S., you can be outside. So there is no specific rule about it that you have to be inside the U.S. before filing the petition. Okay, so what if I'm on a different type of visa? I'm in the United States, but I'm on a different type of visa. Um, can I still self-sponsor? No, it depends what kind of visa you have. Some uh, visas have uh, restrictions on it that you cannot change your status while in the U.S. Some, student, some uh, visas do not. So there are ways you can change your status within the U.S. from one visa to another visa. So we need to basically evaluate your case and then see if we can transfer it. So what if we're in the United States illegally? Can I self-sponsor? So depends. If you are illegal in the U.S., it's very difficult to put you back into status, meaning it's very difficult to adjust you if you are illegal in the U.S., but it's not impossible. So there is a way which is called 245I, and before April 30th, 2001, so if somebody has filed a petition for you before that uh, date, then you acquire a status which is called 245Y, for a protection. If you have that protection, then you can file a green card even if you are illegal, even if you have entered illegally in the U.S., or even if you have worked without authorization. You can still file green card within the U.S., but you only have to do is basically pay a $1,000 penalty fine and file a supplement, I think, A uh, with your green card application. And if, if, if you are not filing employment petition, then there are simple ways like you can do a basically U visa, T visa, asylum, and those kinds of humanitarian uh, applications you can file. Great. Thank you for, for touching on that for us. 
So um, will I need to provide evidence of financial support for myself and any dependents if I want to self-sponsor? No, basically employment petitions if you, because see, you are actually telling USCIS that you are a person of higher competence, you're an expert, right? So when you come and you command high salary, then they are okay. They, they think that, yes, when you enter the U.S., you will be positioned yourself or you will position yourself in such a way that you will be able to earn a living here because you are not somebody uh, or you are not an average person. You, are, you, are, you have extraordinary talent. So you don't have to uh, provide any, basically, financials. But yes, if you see now, the green card application has a portion where you say that we will not be a public charge later on and we have never received public benefit in the U in the US. So that declaration has to be given. Okay, great. Thank you for that insight. So are there any language or educational requirements for self-sponsorship for immigration to be US that I need to be aware of? Yeah, as I said that you uh, need advanced degree for national trust waiver because it's AB2 category. So for if you are applying for a national trust waiver, so you have to prove that you have at least master's. If you don't have master's, then uh, if you have bachelor's, then you have five years of progressive experience because if you combine these two, then you are, cons and then you need an evaluation which says that it is equivalent to a U.S. master's. So then you can apply for a national trust waiver. B1, if we if we go, yeah, if we go EB1, then uh, you have to prove if you are an athlete, you may not be educated enough. Maybe you are you don't have advanced degree, but you are a top athlete with a with a with an Olympic gold medal. So that works. Okay, great. So in your experience, I know you've been doing this for some time. So what are the risks associated with self-sponsorship and how can we mitigate those? Same thing I, I talked before, the risks in self-sponsoring that don't do it yourself. And sometimes uh, you feel, because see, you are an expert in one, one area and you may feel that you can do it yourself, but do not touch it. Don't do it yourself. Uh, because see, that what, what happens, these applications, it's very, very, you have to be very strategic about these applications. You have to prepare the application and, and uh, in such a way that you convey your message to USCIS because it's a lot of paperwork. USCIS knows nothing about your competence. Then you may miss something which is crucial for your application and uh, we don't want that. Okay, great. Thank you for talking about that. So make sure if you're watching this to speak with your attorney, make sure all of the information on your form is correct. So let's talk about the different types of visas. I know you you talked a little bit about a few of them, but we have quite a few options. We have an EB-1 visa, we have an EB-2 visa, we have the National Interest Waiver, we have the EB-5 visa, the Q-1, the L-1, and the H-1. So let's touch on these a little bit. So for the EB-1 visa, who is eligible to apply for one? EB-1, we talked about it. We, we talked about EB-1, we talked about yeah, EB-2 National Interest Waiver. Now let's talk about EB-5. Okay, great. So EB-5 is like, as I said, that if you have extraordinary competence, skill set, that's one way to apply for self-sponsored visas. And the other way is if you have enough money to basically invest in the U.S., then you can apply for your green card. So in this way, if you have a million dollar, the limit is 
one million and fifty thousand dollars, but I simply say if you if you have a million dollars, then you can invest in the US in some business. And uh, with that investment, with the help of that investment, if you can generate ten direct direct employ employments, then you are eligible for a green card. There is another way in investment category where you do not invest in your business or somebody else's business. You directly invest in regional centers. There are businesses already set up and they comply with all the requirements of investor category visa. So you invest in that business directly and buy some equity and you can file uh, the green card. Now you do not have to be worried about um, employments. You don't have to be very like, okay, you know, I have to create employment because they will do everything for you. They are already compliant. They have employment uh, requirement fulfilled. Everything is set up. You just have to invest. And if, if you do that, the investment uh, is 800000 not a million dollars. So you will save some money here. And um, yeah, that's for EB-5. And there is another uh, category that's a treaty category. And uh, that's not for everyone, only for people uh, who come from treaty investor countries. Not every country is a member of treaty, uh, treaty country. So if you are from those countries, then you can invest in some, com some company here or open your own company here. And there is the good news is that there is no minimum requirement, minimum investment requirement. It can be a hundred thousand dollars. It can be a two hundred thousand dollars investment, as long as that investment is substantial according to your business needs. You will be fine. You will have an e visa here. So that's one. Then. One important thing that you need to know is when you apply for natural interest waiver, consider that that it's a, a employment based two category, meaning India and China, you are backlogged. Even if you are, because I recently sent a call that you know uh, the, the person was from China, and uh, the person was telling me to file a green card because his. Uh, NIW was approved. I was like, you cannot because you are backlogged. He's like, oh yes, but somebody told me it's an it's an exceptional category. And I said, yes, it's an exceptional category, but but anyway, it's EB2. So you have backlog, you cannot file for, I think, next 10, 15 years. And he was like, oh, in 10, 15 years, my child will be 21. He can sponsor me. I was like, yes, go ahead. So <laughs> wait for 15, 15 years at least. Wow, thank you for that insight and sharing that story. Thank you for for touching on that and, and the different ways that you can um, meet the financial requirements for that visa. So um, you mentioned the O-1 visa. Can you talk a, lo a little bit about the O-1 visa? Who is eligible to apply for that? O-1 is not self-sponsored. So for O-1, you need, it is an extraordinary, basically, you if you are, so here's the thing. If you are eligible for O-1, you are eligible for EB-1 also. O-1 is highly, it's for like, it's extraordinary competence uh, category, but it's a non-immigrant visa. It's not, it will not give you a green card. And also for O-1, you need a sponsor or an agent in the U.S. who, who yep. will go ahead and, you know, file for you. But, but 
you cannot get O1 without a sponsor. O1 is not a self-sponsored visa category. Okay, great. Thank you for your insight on that. So what about the L1 visa? Can you talk a, l- a little bit about the L1 visa? Again, see, L and H, nobody talks about it because it's directly is not um, a self-sponsored uh, way to get you here. Again, these two are, again, uh, non-immigrant visa categories. But there are ways. So what we have seen in the past that L's, L visa is not for is not only for big corporations. Similarly, H, it's not only for big corporations. Startups can actually file petitions for H and L's. All right? And startups can be your own startups. All you have to prove is that you have a bona fide job offer and you have an employer-employee relationship. Now, how you can prove it? There are so many ways to prove it. So, in L, you may be the owner in the company. So, for L, you need a corporation outside the U.S. And then you can have a new corporation, set up a new corporation, which is a subsidiary or a parent or a branch or an affiliate of your foreign corporation. So, you can incorporate it here. And then you can transfer your employee. Now, employee can be your, you yourself, meaning an executive transfer or a managerial transfer. You can transfer yourself from offshore company to the U.S. corporation if you can show that there is a management control in both uh, the corporation and then control is common. You can transfer. It's not directly self-sponsored, but yes, people who have their own co- companies outside and here, they can transfer themselves like their VPs, their CEOs, they can transfer themselves. And same thing for H1s. Suppose you have um, 20% stay in XYZ and XYZ wants to f- sponsor your H1. As long as you can prove that you do not control the hiring and firing, you do not control the management, you do not control the board, and these things are independent, and you do not cloud their judgment, yes, you may be qualified to sponsor yourself to the H1. It's not direct, but yes. Okay, great. So the H1 and L1, not direct, but we do have the option to sponsor ourselves through that. Yes, indirectly. Okay, great. Thank you for your insight on that. Do you have any suggestions for anybody who is hoping to come to the United States with a self-sponsorship visa, other than, you know, making sure the information is correct and and you talk to your attorney because you you can't change the information once it's filed? Is there anything else that you've seen, some common mistakes maybe in your experience when people file that you would recommend for anybody hoping to go through the same process? For they file, basically what I've seen in my experience, they file wrong petitions. Like uh, they, so now USCIS is fine with this, but back in the day, they actually denied our petitions. Uh, there was a person who was a world-class athlete and, and uh, he filed in uh, Owen for this person here. And we filed as in uh, coach. We fight as a coach. So USCIS saying, yeah, I, we know we understand that this person is a, a extraordinary person and he has, you know, gold medal and once in a lifetime 
a medal, but he has medals as an ex- as an athlete, not as a coach. So show us that he has extraordinary uh, competence and excellence in coaching. So we basically we got we appealed and we got the approval eventually. But now you can uh, prove that. Now if you are an athlete, you can prove that you know. If I'm an athlete, I can actually further this endeavor of my expertise. My I can be I can be very useful if I teach your guys whatever I do best. I can be more beneficial to the U.S. economy if I can if I can create ten of uh, your guys like me. So we could approve, we could get it done, but but. It is possible in this area where somebody is an athlete, but not in all the categories. Like like you see in this uh, previous category where we talked about this entrepreneur who filed as an engineer. So you cannot change much, but athlete and then coach, it's kind of a similar thing. So I would say when you uh, opt for this option, make sure you go through it and then you strategize everything in advance before filing it. Great. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and for your time, Ishan. We super appreciate your expertise and and sharing all of your insight on this topic. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at chook.com. Thank you so much. Stay safe and take care. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chook.com for legal and immigration and www.chook.net for tax. Be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chook LLP team. 